Good morning, everybody. So good to see you today. I add my word of welcome to that which Kevin already gave to say thank you for being here on this summer, end of the summer, holiday weekend. Thank you for being present this morning. And again, we have several people outside the parking lot. Welcome to our drive-up friends. Sorry I didn't get to go say hello to you um, this morning, but welcome. And those who will be joining over the Internet, and some listen later. Some are actually going to be listening right now as uh, we're uh, attempting to start our live streaming services. And I think those are available, obviously, live, but I think then they become available immediately thereafter so persons can listen. And we do have people listening from all over the country, actually, which I never understand, but I appreciate anyone who listens from anywhere or watches. So, we welcome everyone here today. I want to begin with an illustration. There was a young man who was talking to a recruiter, and he wanted to go into the Army, and he wanted to go into the 82nd Airborne. And I know a little bit about that because I lived in Fayetteville for many years. Our third baby daughter was born there in Fayetteville. And uh, so that's the home of the 82nd Airborne Unit or Division. And uh, so, it's a great group of soldiers, uh, somewhat elite, but this young man wanted to go, and so he said, now tell me about it. I know I have to go through jump school to go through and to be in the 82nd Airborne. He said, well, yes, you do, and the jump school still is in uh, Columbus, Georgia, Fort Benning, and he said, yeah, it's three weeks long. He said, well, tell me about it, Mr. Recruiter. He said, well, the first week, they separate the men from the boys. Well, what happens the second week? Well, the second week, that separate the men from the fools. Well, what about the third week? He said, the third week, the fools jump out of perfectly good airplanes. <laughs> well, I've met a lot of guys who were in the 82nd Airborne, and I'm not going to call them fools to their face anyway, I will tell you that. But the point is, there sometimes we learn how to do things that may not make much sense. And... And we know that's the way it is in life, isn't it? Sometimes we have to learn things that just we don't understand why we have to learn those things. I well remember my academic uh, career having to learn things in the math area. I didn't see how they were applicable to my life. Still don't see how they were applicable to my life. But I was made to learn certain things in school, high school, college, etc. that I just don't know why I had to learn those things. Well... We know that's the way it is throughout life. Beyond our educational preparation, we have to learn some things that sometimes are hard to learn. But I will tell you, we praise God, we have the ultimate teacher. That's the title of the message. We do have the ultimate teacher. His name is the Holy Spirit of God. And sometimes the Holy Spirit of God teaches us things that are easy and simple and relatively painless to learn. And other times we learn and it's hard. It's difficult. Someone once said, they went to this, what university did you go to? He said, I went to the University of Hard Knocks. And you know what the colors are of that school? Black and blue. Because we get bruised throughout life and sometimes we learn things the hard way. It's the way it is. So I want you to look with me to see that the Holy Spirit is our ultimate teacher. Turn with me to our passage for today which is found in John 16. 
The passage that was referenced in the video prior was from John 14, a great text. But we look in verse 5, John 16, verse 5, going down through verse 15. This is the second of our studies on the Holy Spirit. We saw it in the latter part of John 15, early part of John 16, as we saw how the Holy Spirit was at work in our world. But now we see another part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So look there, 16 verse 5. It says, But now I am going away to him who sent me. And not one of you ask me, Where are you going? Yet because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will do what? He will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Pay attention to that. He will convict the world of sin, righteousness, judgment. Verse 9, about sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment because the ruler of the world has been judged. I still, look at verse 12, I still have many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now or yet. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Now verse 15. Everything the Father has is mine. That is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. Again, last week we saw that the Spirit is at work in the world to Comfort us, particularly as we go through difficult times, and all of us go through difficult times. Some of you are going through a difficult time even now. But the Spirit is our comforter in those difficult times. And then this morning we see there are other ministries of the Holy Spirit. So beyond the comforting ministry that we saw last week, and we saw even earlier back in John 14, we see that he also does two other primary ministries. He reproves and he teaches. So let's look first at that first major point. The Spirit as reprover witnesses through the church. Primarily this is verses 5 through 11. Now we've already seen, we mentioned this last week, that Jesus had already been on earth for three years. And in those three years, he had protected his disciples. No harm had come to them. He protected them. But he told them already, and he tells them again, I am about to leave you. As we say in South Carolina, I'm fixing to leave you. I will be gone soon. But I'm going to send someone else who's going to help you in many different ways. I protected you, but now he's going to come, and he's going to be your teacher but he's also going to be a reprover 
Now, Peter had asked at one point where you were going, had not asked it recently, but Jesus felt it was necessary to explain why he was uh, important for him to return to the Father, why he was leaving and why it was important. The major reason, of course, was so that the Holy Spirit might come. Now, you may say, well, what stopped the Holy Spirit from coming anyway? Well, I don't know. You know, there are a lot of things in the Bible I don't know. Remember what that old preacher taught me years ago? That when the Bible's silent about something, it's best I be silent about it too. There are some things Dr. Frank Page just says, I don't know. And you can ask me a lot of questions, and Dale does, and a lot of people do, and I say, I don't know. The Bible simply doesn't say everything. So, we know that he said, I'm leaving, and in my leaving, I'm going to be able to send the Holy Spirit who will come to you and do a variety of things. So yes, the Holy Spirit would come and empower and teach. And we know, I mentioned last week, Jesus returned to the Father. We'll see it later in his ascension, that he went back and now he is interceding for you and for me. And I'm grateful for that. Well, Jesus was limited in his incarnation. He was limited in his flesh. But the Holy Spirit will be unlimited in his ability to teach, to reprove, to help, to comfort, to do so many things. His disciples loved him. And the Bible even said there, they were sorrowful at his talking like this. They did not want him to leave them. I mean, they loved just being around Jesus. And I can only imagine. I've told you before, Dale, and I watched that uh, series called The Chosen. And we've even started watching it yet again. And if you haven't seen it, I, I, I'm not real good at technical stuff. It's on YouTube, not the YouTube TV, but regular YouTube. What does that mean? I don't know what it means. Just find it. And there's eight episodes, and it is wonderful. But those disciples, as they are called and begin to follow the Lord Jesus, they love him. They are entranced by him. They are enamored with him. They don't understand him, but they love to be around him. And the disciples were sad to hear him talking about the fact that he was going to leave them. And the truth is, it would be just a very few days and he would be gone. So what is this ministry as reprover? Well, he says it so powerfully there. And he uses a legal term, doesn't he? He says the Holy Spirit will convict the world, verse 8, about three things. Look at it. The Holy Spirit will reprove or convict the world of three things. And as the reprover, he witnesses to the church. Well, first of all, the key word is convict or reprove. Convict or reprove. Well, legally, that means to expose, to refute, to uh, uh, convince someone of a different side. Legally, it means uh, really to pronounce the verdict. It means to say you're guilty or not guilty. It's a legal term. And here he says the Holy Spirit, one of his greatest ministries, is this convicting power, this reproving power to pronounce, pronounce a verdict. Well, what does he pronounce the verdict on? And why does he pronounce these verdicts? Well, first of all, the indictment that he brings down 
is not one to condemn the world, but to bring salvation to the world. We had already seen that, didn't we? In John chapter 3, verse 17. For he came not to condemn the world, but that the world might believe. So we know that he comes in this convicting role to bring people to salvation, not to damnation. So the Holy Spirit's the prosecuting attorney. And by the way, believers are the witnesses. And the lost are those who are bringing, bring, being brought under indictment. But the Holy Spirit convicts the world of one particular sin. And that is the sin of unbelief. Now, stay with me here just a minute, okay? A lot of people get focused on one particular sin. And they think that sin is the worst sin in the world. And how many times have I heard people somewhat jokingly say, don't you lie in church, because you know if you lie in church, you're going to go to hell. Well, no, that's not true, Jake, but that's just what some people jokingly say. No, it is not something you need to worry about. Although we shouldn't lie in church, or we shouldn't lie anywhere. Oh, people say all kinds of things. If you do that, you're going to, you're, you know, and we'll, we'll focus on one particular sin. And let me tell you this. I've seen lost people clean up their acts so much, they're not sinning that way anymore. But it doesn't mean they're saved. Because you can do all kinds of self-control to stop certain things, but the Holy Spirit convicts the world of the sin of what? Unbelief. You see, it's not the committing of individual sins. It is unbelief that condemns a man or a woman to an eternal hell. It is unbelief that is the indictment upon a soul that will send you straight to heaven or hell. How many times have I witnessed to people and they say, well, I just can't believe in a God that would send people to hell. And I love to say to them, don't you understand? He is not sending anybody to hell. He did everything he could to keep people from hell. When we reject the truth we send ourselves the holy spirit convicts the lost of unbelief but what else the holy spirit also convicts the sinner of righteousness what in world does that mean well let me tell you whose unrighteousness whose righteousness well it doesn't say unrighteousness again we're not talking about the holy spirit working to say that was wrong though he does that he is convicting the world about the spiritual righteousness of Christ. That Jesus alone is the Savior of the world. He is convicting people that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. He is convicting us of the rightness of the way of Jesus. That is beautiful. The Spirit reveals Christ in the lives of believers. The Spirit reveals Christ through the Word of God. It's all focusing on Him, and His righteousness saves us. I cannot, cannot tell you how important that is. How many people still think, I just hope when I get to the end of my life, that the scales are tipped in my good favor just enough, and I'll slip into heaven. There is nobody good enough to go to heaven. There's nobody good enough to go to heaven. But we know 
It is through the righteousness of Christ alone that we go to heaven. Well, he also says the Holy Spirit not only convicts the world of sin and righteousness, but also of judgment. Here he is referring to the judgment of the evil one, of Satan himself. Not to our judgment. He knows Satan has already been judged, the verdict has already been announced, but the execution of that verdict has not yet been carried out. Well, he is simply saying, I'm showing people that the evil one who causes so much trouble and dismay, his days are numbered. The Holy Spirit convicts the lost sinner of the judgment of the evil one. So friends, the Holy Spirit works as a reprover, a convictor. And when a lost person, a man or a woman, comes under conviction, he or she sees the folly of unbelief. They realize it's time to believe in the righteousness of Christ. He or she will confess that they don't measure up to the righteousness of Christ. Remember what I've told you so many times. The only qualification you really need to have to get into this church is to say, I'm a sinner. Welcome, because you are now amongst all of us sinners. You become convicted that the righteousness of Christ is the only thing that will save you, and he or she will recognize they're under condemnation because they belong to the world who is led by the evil one. And the only one who can rescue you is the Lord Jesus. Oh, how powerful is that? How powerful is that? So he is our reprover. And then second and last, major point, the Spirit as teacher guides the church. Now look here with me, please, at the last few verses of John chapter 16, uh, excuse me, of this text, John 16, verses 12 through 15. We see there that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And yes, the Holy Spirit teaches us truths that we need to know when we need them and when we're ready to receive them. He's a great teacher. You know how it is with your children and grandchildren. You teach them when they're able to learn things. And some are smarter than others and pick up things very quickly, but you have to wait till the right time to teach certain things to children and grandchildren. And that's the way the Holy Spirit is with us. He knows when we're ready to hear certain things. We don't learn everything all at once. And I've told you before, the greatest thing you can do is connect yourself with an aged follower of Christ who still says, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. But I've learned a whole bunch. Oh, my friends, he teaches us. Well, also we recognize God has... Wanting, he's wanting to show us all truth. Isn't that beautiful? I have many things to tell you. Can't bear them now, verse 12. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. Well, what does that mean? He goes on down and explains it a little bit. He'll speak of his own. He'll speak whatever he hears. He will declare to you what is to come. He'll glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it unto you. Oh, friends, listen carefully. The Holy Spirit arranged for us to receive the scriptures that we have. The New Testament scriptures. First of all, the Spirit reminded them of what He taught them. That's the Gospels. And then the Spirit guided them into what they needed to learn in practical application. That's the epistles. 
and he will show you things to come. And that's the prophetic scriptures. Some of you are studying Daniel and Revelation. He will show you what is to come. Oh, my friends, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Now listen carefully. He will guide us through the word and through the way. Now listen to this. The Holy Spirit is never contrary to Christ. Never contrary to the word of God. Jesus is the truth. The word is truth. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He is our teacher. He will guide us into all truth. Now I was thinking about that this week. Someone asked me the other day, said, please talk to us a little bit more about COVID-19. How are we going to get through this coronavirus stuff? My sister Rhonda called me yesterday. My sister in Greensboro, Rhonda. Oh, she's all questions. Oh, she said, Frank, it's about to drive me crazy. I said, well, Rhonda, if I remember correctly, that's a short putt for you, not a long drive. Okay, she said, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. She said, it's driving me crazy. I said, well, honey, it's driving us all crazy because we're having to learn to live in a whole new way of doing business, a whole new way of doing church. It's so difficult for everyone. And I'm praying, like everyone, that the end will come very soon. And that maybe by this fall, as we get into the fall, we'll hear some good news about vaccines, etc. And people will lighten up just a little bit. Goodness gracious. People have gone nuts over this stuff. But I thought about it a little deeper. I remember back when 2000, uh, 9-11 occurred in 2000. When was it, Phil? 2001. 2001. That's right, Jake. Your daddy was there, wasn't he? Yes, but when uh, they mixed up people who were good or bad, and they died, they go to a place called Purgatory. Oh, no. I'll talk to you about that later. But we're talking about 9-11 now. Well, I had some people tell me that 9-11, that God told them 9-11 was going to happen. But have you noticed that if you've got any friends in the more Pentecostal, charismatic world, None of them claim to have heard about the COVID-19 pandemic. No one knew it was coming, did they? I haven't heard anybody, even those that say they have a word of knowledge. None of them received this word from the Lord. Why? I pondered. I really wondered. I know, God, you're not going to tell me things like that because I... I'm not as good as I should be, and I'm not as close to you as I ought to be. But there's some sweet people that surely you would have whispered it into their ear. Well, first of all, maybe he didn't because he didn't want anyone to have pride about it. I thought about it even deeper. Why has this happened? Why has God allowed it to happen? Those are questions that I think are extremely important. I think, first of all, primarily, because I read this and I thought, he'll guide you into all truth, but he did not share that truth with us, did he? Maybe he sees truth differently than we see truth. We think of truth as information, don't we? And that's a part of it. But is that the only part of it? No, it's not. In fact, we're going to see later... Jesus defines a relation, uh, uh, eternal life as a relationship. Maybe truth 
is also a relationship. So maybe he's saying, I'm going to guide you into all truth. And part of that truth is I'm going to teach you things that you really need to live. And there's not just about information. Maybe he's wanting to see who the true believers are and followers are. Three Wednesday nights ago, I shared as a prayer request some new research that's come out, Pew Research. Uh, usually it's a pretty well uh, done uh, group that do a great job of, of uh, polling and finding out way people feel about things. During the COVID outbreak since March the 1st of this year, those who identify themselves as church-going Christians, now that means you make that designation, not someone else. Those who define themselves as church-going Christians, 32% have stopped altogether. And they're not watching the internet. They're not going to an outdoor service. They're not going inside anywhere. 32% of all Americans who identify themselves as church-going Christians have stopped. That's frightening. By the way, the number is over 50% among millennials, but in all age groups, it's 32%. Oh, by the way, 10% of people have changed churches during the pandemic. But that 32% number disturbs me. Did God allow this to happen so he could see who is serious about this? Because I believe it may be preparatory to the end times. Maybe God is saying, I'm getting you ready and I want to know who is with me and who's not. Maybe that's the reason he allowed this to come upon us and didn't tell us it was a coming. Because he wanted to see how we would react. He wanted to see how faithful we would be. He wanted to see whether we would live in fear or whether we'd live in faith. So the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, will guide you into all the truth, verse 13. And maybe his definition of truth is not just an accumulation of information, but more importantly, about relationship, about commitment. So the Holy Spirit of God works through the Word, works through the church to teach so much that is important. And remember what I've said, the Holy Spirit is never contrary to Jesus Christ or the Word of God. I said that earlier. Jesus is the truth, the Word is the truth, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. The, Holy, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit work harmoniously together. Well... The Holy Spirit is the reprover. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. It is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to enrich us with the treasures of God's truth. Pray with me. Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the Holy Spirit. We sang earlier, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here and Lord, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is present even now. God, we pray, Holy Spirit, rain down. And I pray for the Holy Spirit to rain down even now in the hearts of every man, boy, and girl in this place. Doing the work of reprover, convicting, 
of unbelief, of righteousness, and of judgment, and teaching us into all truth. Lord, there's so much depth there. And I pray that you would just let us touch the hem of the garment even today as you deepen us in the days to come. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.